Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Welcome back to Ghost of a Podcast. This week, I have a question called Panicking My Way to Good Times, and it goes like this. Hello, friend. I've been through a lot of big life changes in the past few while, and I'm doing the hard work of processing all the shit. With the help of an amazing queer-focused therapist, you and your exceptional podcast, and my dear family of friends, I've grown one metric fuckton this past year. I'm still struggling with panic attacks that I feel deeply in my body. My throat closes, I have chest pain, vomiting, terror, and they take me hours to recover from. Frequently, they are not even connected to specific thoughts. I'm working on holding space for my feelings without attaching a specific thought to it, and sometimes it's amazing, and most of the time, it's exhausting. My question for you, dear Jessica, is what little nuggets do you see in my chart that will be my best tools for coping through this? Thank you so much for all the work you do and all the content you put out for us. You're an amazing friend and teacher, and I cannot wait to have your book in my hands on New Year's Eve. Love, Heather. Heather, that's very sweet. Thank you so much. And also, shit, I'm so sorry. This this sounds really rough. So for all you astrology nerds following along by looking at the birth chart as I read it, Heather was born May 3rd, 1979, 10.45 p.m. in Danbury, Connecticut. So... I'm really glad you're working with a therapist because when you're having panic attacks, especially panic attacks that have such a physical presentation, it is essential that you work with, you know, a medical professional. I mean, it's not essential. I mean, nothing is essential, but it is absolutely advisable to work with a medical professional. And I will remind you, as I do in every episode where I talk about anything heavy like this, I am not a mental health practitioner and I am not your mental health practitioner. Um, you know, it's an astrology podcast and it's a, a spiritual podcast. And so you want to use what works cross-reference it with other resources and, you know, use your good old-fashioned common sense. I feel like you're going to do that, Heather. I'm not worried, but I got to say it because I mean it. You have something in your birth chart called Venus-Mercury-Mars conjunction in Aries, and it's all opposite to Pluto. And for you, control is a really big deal. You often feel out of control and you desperately want control crave control. And then when you have control, it's really overwhelming. So there can be this incredibly visceral issue that you experience around control issues. And because Mars is involved, because these three planets are at the bottom of your chart, unfortunately, it can have a very visceral impact. So the things you're dealing with now that you mentioned in your question, I don't know if they're new or not, but I imagine that if they are worse or new, it's on a continuum of something you've experienced throughout your life. I also want to say that in 2019, uh, Saturn has been hitting all four of these planets, Venus, Mercury, Mars, and Pluto. And what that means is you've been feeling pressure around a part of you that tends to shut all the way down or like turn on every light in the house and just turn everything all the way up. So if you're trying to repress or hold something back, these transits throughout 2019 have really felt like you were under a lot of heavy things. You're just kind of being pushed down by your thoughts, your feelings, your circumstances, the world. And so I want to say a couple things. The first thing is it's almost over. These transits will be done by the start of the year, the start of 2020. Okay, so that's that's good news. That particular series of transits uh, is just about over. So some of this pressure is going to ease in the new year. 
Now, the other thing is that the reason why we go through Saturn transits is so that we are forced to practically deal with what is and isn't working in our coping mechanisms. That's kind of cool. I mean, it sounds cool when I say it. It feels awful when you're going through it. Nobody enjoys it. I can promise you this. Nobody enjoys it. So it sounds to me from your question like you've been doing what Saturn wants of you. You've been doing the work. You've been working with a therapist. You've been doing your self-help things. You've been doing the exhausting and slow work of taking care of yourself in a real way. The downside of this is Saturn doesn't tend to give us really quick results. Saturn tends to drag things out of it. And not because Saturn's a jerk. I mean, Saturn is a jerk. But because um, you want to think about it as like it's related to pruning, to cutting things back. It's not a time for things to come forward. It's time to cut back the habits, the attitudes, the beliefs, the people, the dynamics in our lives that are not working for us in a real way. You have been going through a lot of Saturn stuff. However, Uranus has been forming a trine to your natal Saturn, which means you have been developing tools, and this just started in the past couple of months, but you have been developing tools that are actually working, that will actually serve you in the long term. So for the next approximately year, that will continue to be the case. You will continue to find people and resources that actually make sense for you. And so you might not see a meteoric shift. You might not see an instant correction, but you are developing the tools that you need in order to sustain a healthy life. And for you, a healthy life might look really different than for someone else. And that's okay. And, and we'll get into it. But when I look at your chart, it does look like there's a couple of things to acknowledge. One is, I don't know if you had dealt with an abusive childhood, or if you were raised with people who had uh, mental illness untreated mental illness, or if you are simply the recipient of a lot of inherited trauma. But certainly you got one, if not all of those going on based on your birth chart. The work of your birth chart, like everything in your birth chart really points you towards this particular thing. You have something called Saturn conjunction to North Node in Virgo. And that Saturn conjunction to the North Node in Virgo indicates that on a soul level, you've come here to figure out what ways you need to live in practical terms, what ways you need to live. What are the actions? What are the behaviors that you need to follow through with in order to be healthy and right with yourself mentally, physically, all of it? The highest articulation of this Virgo energy is really to do with being here for the process, being here for the steps. Again, it's an earth sign, so it's really about the steps. Whatever it is that you're doing at this time, this incremental progress thing, stick with it. Maybe you need to even further simplify it, but simple is what wins with this Saturn-North Node conjunction. Simple is what wins. For you, it needs to be paired with spiritual conviction. And the reason why I say that is because you have a Neptune conjunction to the Ascendant. A Neptune conjunction to the Ascendant makes you very sensitive, incredibly sensitive. People who have this often will experience uh, various forms of dysmorphia or anxiety. And it's because, from a spiritual perspective, your auric field is just really, really uh, permeable. And that permeability impacts you. It impacts you spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically. The key here 
is honoring your vision, honoring your spirituality, honoring what you believe in, and not doing that in isolation. In other words, not doing it outside of your life, you know, just like at a retreat, but doing it in your as a daily practice. For you, having healthy boundaries is essential. Oh my God. It is so essential for wellness. And unfortunately, Neptune is squaring your ascendant. This is a two-year transit. It began this year and it makes you more permeable. It makes you more sensitive. So I say unfortunately because you don't need to be more permeable. You don't need to be more sensitive. Uh, this transit can be associated with increased anxiety. Now, because you have Neptune on the ascendant, for you, it might be a little bit easier than it is for someone else because you're used to what Neptune feels like. It's kind of like as per usual, right? And so what I want to say the upshot is here, the next two years of your life are all about boundaries. They are all about boundaries. It's about recognizing that you yourself are responsible for your choices. You are not a victim. That doesn't mean that you don't feel awful and that you don't need support and help and for people to be able to see that you're you're struggling and you need support. But to align yourself with where you are making choices, to align yourself with the resources you do have, and to align yourself with the progress you have made, it will really make the work that you're doing easier to bear. So it won't necessarily quicken the work, you know, but it'll make the work easier. Now, a big part of having boundaries for you is about your body. It's really about your body. So again, I'm not totally surprised to hear that you've had a really physical presentation of anxiety. In your birth chart, you have a Uranus opposition to the sun, and both of those two planets form a T-square to the moon. And this says a lot of things, but one big thing it does is it makes your central nervous system really, really sensitive, and it makes you restless. So this isn't terribly easy in concert with the Neptune stuff, because both Uranus and Neptune govern anxiety in very different ways. Uranus is nervous system-y, and Neptune is more auric field anxiety. And so the key here is for you to find your footing, to stay grounded. And so what that means is being really conscientious about your diet, your physical diet. Now, again, don't take dietary advice from an astrologer. And certainly don't take dietary advice from an astrologer on a podcast. That said, when I look at your birth chart, I really think you need to be incredibly conscientious about your iron and mineral content in your diet. You really need vitamin D. You really need, and I mean, I don't mean vitamin D. I mean vitamin D, actual vitamin D. You need to think about fortifying your system, really. That Neptune on the ascendant can often confer iron deficiencies. And it often inclines a person to want to be vegan. There's a way that we need to figure out how to live in accordance with our values that isn't self-sacrificing, that doesn't turn us into a martyr, right? This is really an important part of doing the work. And I imagine that if there's vomiting as one of the symptoms of your anxiety and your panic attacks, that eating is kind of complicated for you. And so I do want to encourage you, if you can, to be incredibly conscientious about finding ways of consuming everything you need in order to have a healthy, thriving body. You know, someone with Neptune on the Ascendant can have weird autoimmune stuff. And I say weird because like hard to diagnose weird, not weird bad, but just hard to diagnose weird. The key is to choose yourself. 
That's really what it comes down to. Choose yourself when you're distracted. Choose yourself when you totally made mistakes today. Choose yourself when you feel like shit. Choose yourself when you've had a great day. Choose yourself when all of a sudden you've had three good days and you don't even know who you are anymore because you've had so many bad days that you don't even recognize yourself when you have those good days. Keep on choosing yourself. Show yourself the same love and care and generosity that you show to others. Keep on choosing yourself and choose yourself even when you fail and when you falter and when everything feels awful. That, I know it sounds so simple in a way, but it is the key. It's the actual literal key for you. Now, in regards to more tools, because you're asking for tools and tools I shall give you, uh, movement. That's a biggie for you because of Uranus's involvement and because you have such a powerful Mars in Aries opposite Pluto, literally dancing, uh, moving around, boxing, fighting, capoeira, anything that kind of increases <laughs> your heart rate, that engages your heart rate and allows you to off-gas anger, rage, frustration, feeling blocked or stymied, anything that you can do that will be a healthy release for those feelings will be really, really helpful for you. And the reason why I say do it through your body and not through talk therapy is because you can kind of get stuck in the talking, can't you? You're really good at talking. My guess is uh, therapists love working with you. You're willing to talk through anything. You're really insightful. You do homework. You'll do anything in the mind. But the body is a little bit trickier for you. And so doing something not with other people. So when I say something like boxing, I'm not talking about getting in a ring. I'm talking about learning how to throw a punch on a heavy bag or a speed bag or something. You know, it's about finding ways of giving yourself permission to have a full range of emotion that are really controlled, you know, that are controlled and safe for you. So they're not about having to deal with other people who are unpredictable and bizarre. It's just about you. This, I think, would be very helpful for you. Another thing I want to say, if you haven't already done this, and of course, I reiterate, do not take medical advice from moi. But if you haven't already, I would encourage you to have your hormones checked. You have a Chiron Sun conjunction in Taurus in the fifth. And that can be associated with, not always, but it can be associated with hormonal imbalance, in particular related to the thyroid. And so it's something certainly to take a peek at. If you haven't had your hormones checked and had like a blood panel drawn, I would encourage you to. I would encourage you to do all the conventional medicine investigations that you can. And then if you do find that, you know, they say, oh, yeah, your thyroid's normal. It's on the high end of normal or it's on the low end of normal, but it's normal. You take that to an acupuncturist. You take that to an alternative health practitioner and you say, okay, I don't have a technical problem, but I'm on the verge of a problem. Can you support my health in some way? I have one more piece of advice in terms of practical tools, which is a gratitude journal. It can be naming three things that you feel grateful for every single day, once a day. I mean, if you could do more, that's great. But three things is enough. I want to give your brain, your big, beautiful, busy, busy brain, something to chew on that is positive. Because we humans are always scanning for problems. We're just scanning for problems. Your birth chart, absolutely, you are inclined to scan for problems and for danger more specifically. And, you know, I don't necessarily know that that needs to end. However, what I would recommend is adding more positivity, adding scanning for positive. 
Scanning for abundance, scanning for potential, scanning for yes instead of scanning for a no, or in addition to scanning for a no. In doing this, nothing's going to radically change overnight. However, what you can get is progress. I love progress. And that progress will be easier. And easier is also really lovely if you can get it. So I really hope this was helpful. Um, I am sending you so much love. And unfortunately, I think you're going to need a little more patience, but you're actually well suited to it. You can do it once you decide to do it. Patience isn't passivity. Patience isn't inactivity. It's continuing with the process and having faith that there is a right time when things will come together. And whether or not you have faith in that, I got to say, I do. I I do have that faith for you. And I want to encourage you to stay with your self-care regime. Keep on editing it so that it's not too overwhelming. It's not too many things, but it's just things that actually serve you. You don't have to be monogamous and loyal to those things. It's okay with all that Uranus in your chart and all that Aries in your chart to have a revolving kind of bag of tricks that you pull from. But you want to keep some measure of consistency where, let's say, you're doing three things to take care of yourself every day. All right, my dear. I'm sending you love and I'm sending you strength. You know by now that I have a book coming out, Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along. And it's going to be out December 31st. What you may not know is that if you pre-order the book, you can get a free 2020 astrological calendar that is super cute with images from within the book. And it has a bunch of dates that you really want for your year ahead, like Mercury retrograde and direct and eclipses and other good astro data. All you have to do is pre-order the book and whenever you can shop small, shop local, pre-order the book, get your receipt, and then follow the link that is in the show notes here and also on my website to enter your receipt. And then you will get to download your own free 2020 astrological calendar. You need it. You want it. What are you waiting for? My loves, my dear, dear loves, it's horoscope time again. We are going to look this week at the astrology of December 8th through the 14th, 2019. This week's horoscope starts on December 8th with a sun square to Neptune. Now that transit I mentioned last week because you were feeling it on the 7th, but it is exact on the 8th and you will also feel it on the 9th. Now I touched on themes last week of boundaries, the need to have boundaries with yourself and boundaries with others. And this is a really deep topic and it's, you know, it's it's a topic I get questions about a great deal. When the sun forms a square to Neptune, it makes us feel off. The sun is your identity and your vitality. And Neptune is kind of like stepping into fog. When we're dealing with Neptune energies, we don't tend to have validation and reinforcement in the way we want. We don't tend to feel a sense of confidence in the way things are going, the resources we have to get there, or even just our own energies. Sun squared and Neptune can make us feel really confused. And so here's the thing about boundaries. We can have boundaries in a situation. Let's say the situation is you and I are hanging out and I stepped on your toe. Maybe your boundary is, hey, Jessica, get off my damn toe. Maybe your boundary is, oh, she didn't notice it. I'll say something the second time. You're figuring out what boundary you're supposed to assert, right? 
The thing that's really complicated about this is we can talk about why did I step on your toe? Why do you have friends who always step on your toe? Why is this a pattern that you keep on manifesting people who step on your toe? Why do you always have to say, don't step on my toe? Shouldn't people know? You get where I'm going. The underlying patterns that we experience in our lives, the themes that we find happen on repeat over and over again in situations with people that we're dating, people that we're friends with, whatever. Those are the things that we need to bring more self-awareness to because our patterns reflect places where we tend to have poor boundaries. And when I say poor boundaries, that might mean we have rigid rules in efforts to protect ourselves that actually need to be more flexible. It might mean that we need to bring more awareness so we can figure out what the boundary needed is. It might mean we simply need to verbalize what we already know in our hearts to be true. It might mean we need to stop talking about it and start acting on it, right? So if I keep on hanging out with you and I keep on stepping on your toe and you keep on saying, hey, Jessica, it sucks when you step on my toe, my toe hurts, and I keep on doing it anyways, even if I hug you and say, I'm sorry, at a certain point, don't you want to maybe consider not hanging out with me because your damn toe hurts? Because obviously I don't care about you and your sweet toe. So I want to encourage you on the 8th, but in general this week, and I would even say over the next few months, to really try to bring awareness and consciousness. Do it through your dear diary. Do it with your shrink. Uh, do it with your friends. Do it in your wee moon circle. Do, do it in whatever way works for you. Try to bring consciousness to the patterns that are underlying in your life, the things that you seem to be on a groundhog day around, because those things are not inevitabilities. They are not universal either. They're yours. They're your patterns. And you don't need to go into guilt or punishment or shame or blame or anything like that. Just be interested. Be interested in what themes are playing themselves out. And whether you need to bring more awareness, whether you need to communicate or figure it out analytically, or whether you need to embody your own wisdom, your own knowing. Because if you're able to do any of those three things, then you are able to embody your boundaries. You are able to identify what your needs are, verbalize them, give the people and situations in your life a chance to meet you where you're at. And, you know, if that doesn't work, go ahead and do what you got to do because it's on you to embody your boundaries. Don't wait for anyone else to do it. It's on you. What's tricky within all of this is that knowing what your boundaries are doesn't mean you're comfortable embodying them, asserting them. Understanding what your boundaries are doesn't mean that you feel ready. And it doesn't mean that if you verbalize them or embody them, that the people around you are going to be respectful, that they're going to understand it, that, that you're not going to have any drama as a result. And so this is where people have a really hard time with boundaries. First, figuring out what the boundary needs to be. Then being brave enough and loving yourself enough to put your authentic needs first. And finally, to be able to tolerate that doing the right thing doesn't mean that the good stuff happens for you. As I've said before, and I'll say again, fate, karma, whatever you want to call it, is not symmetrical. Life is not symmetrical. It's not like get the answer right and you get a cookie. 
Wouldn't that be fun? (laughs) We'd all be filthy with cookies because we'd have this clear yes, no. So if we didn't get the cookie, we know we did it wrong. If we got the cookie, we knew we did it right. That would be so wonderful. But that's not what life is. There's this really brilliant woman named Nikki Sachi that I work with, and she says, taking steps to transform suffering is suffering in itself. And that, my loves, is why so many of us don't take the steps to transform our suffering. Because we are hoping for that damn cookie, but that's not what we're greeted with. We're greeted with more suffering, deeper suffering. The key is to have boundaries. Do you want to be right? Do you want to have the answer? Do you want to get along? Or do you want integrity, truth, honesty, embodiment, wholeness? It doesn't have to be either or. I'm making it an either or in this statement, and I really don't need to. But what we want to be able to do is hold the drive towards integrity and embodiment and wholeness higher than we hold those other things. Higher, higher regard, higher esteem. So that when we are not prioritizing those things in efforts to get answers, uh, progress, peace, that we're making a conscious choice because we know that progress and like not peace like world peace, but peace like getting along, you know, making sure everything is diplomatic and okay. When we prioritize those things over authenticity and wholeness, what happens is we don't like what we get. We don't like what we get maybe two years from now, maybe 10 years from now, but it doesn't give you what you want because when you act out of integrity with your soul, you will not like what you get. That is just, there's not a whole lot of things that I'm going to say are really strict rules in life, but my loves, that is a big one. Put that in your vision board and smoke it. Don't smoke it. Put that on your vision board and remember it. So all to say, sun square Neptune, you're going to feel it exact on the 8th. And on the ninth, you may find yourself dealing with some sort of anxiety or kind of demoralized or exhausted feelings. Don't worry. It won't last. I promise. It shan't last, my loves. Now, on the ninth, Mercury moves into Sagittarius. Mercury in Sagittarius is a fast pace of connection, which is super fun. I'm not going to give you too much on this, but I will say Mercury in Sagittarius is great for visualization. It's it's a fun transit. It's not going to last too long. So on the 11th, December 11th, we have a full moon in Gemini at 9, 12 p.m. So if you're on the East Coast of North America, if you're in Europe, then is actually on the 12th. So the sun is in Sagittarius, the moon is in Gemini, and they are at 20 degrees. This particular full moon comes with a lot in it. First of all, it forms a wide T-square to the planet Neptune. And this reiterates the theme I was talking about with boundaries, with locating yourself. And the sign of Gemini and the sign of Sagittarius are both concerned with data and truth, but in really different ways because opposite signs govern opposite poles of one singular energy, one strong line of energy. And so what we're looking at here is forest of the trees. What are you going to focus on? And because of Neptune forming a square to both the sun and moon, we may feel around this full moon a real sense of anxiety around not being sure, should I focus on the big picture? Should I focus on the details? Should I focus on the forest? Should I focus on the trees? And that anxiety that Neptune brings up is generally because we don't know and we feel like we should know or we want to know. So my advice to you is to step into the not knowing to allow yourself to be present with uncertainty and to practice non-attachment, non-attachment to what it needs to look like, but get clearer if you can about what you want to feel like 
And that requires you to really prioritize treating yourself as you wish to be treated, honoring yourself as you wish to be honored, and even loving yourself as you wish to be loved. No big deal. Just everything, (laughs) you know? In this full moon chart, we also have Saturn and Pluto sandwiching sweet, tender Venus and Capricorn. This is a really intense conjunction. Unfortunately, Saturn-Venus-Pluto conjunction is likely to bring up a sense of scarcity, scarcity of love, scarcity of resources. The Saturn-Pluto conjunction may trigger major issues around women's rights, women's financial and physical independence. This Saturn-Venus-Pluto conjunction is likely to kick up some pretty heavy and deep feelings about your relationship to relationships. This may be a time where you are struggling around your finances or, again, around your values. And these are the major themes that I tend to see as associated with Venus. Saturn and Pluto are both pressure cookers, really intense pressure cookers. And so I don't expect that this full moon is going to feel terribly chill. And I don't expect that this full moon will pass without something major happening. And that is because when we mix, both Saturn and Pluto with such a personal planet like Venus. And we have this full moon pointing towards Neptune, which kicks up anxiety and fear. We have the risk that people will act out out of fear or that people will have knee-jerk reactions. People may band together and really stand up and stand out. Notice your own fear-based reactions and make sure that you're not leading with that in your responses as much as possible. This full moon is going to kick up a lot of intensity. This is a terrible time to process unless it's absolutely necessary. I wouldn't start anything major (laughs) around this time unless it happens quite organically. The feelings that you have around now and also the feelings that everyone you're dealing with is having around now are likely to be really intense and heavy and concerned with things that feel really personal But also where we have Pluto, we have shame. We have places where we feel alone, like we alone are dealing with something and we alone have to fix it. So what I want to encourage you to do is to know that you are not alone. Reach out to people if you can. Now, unfortunately, if you've been dealing with any kind of addiction stuff, whether we're looking at substance abuse or too much TV, too much online shopping, obsessively stalking someone's Insta stories, whatever it is. Both Neptune and Pluto with the Sun, Moon, and Venus and Saturn can all trigger addictive tendencies. So if you can, do what I was saying a bit earlier. Pay attention to the underlying mental and emotional patterns that compel you or inspire you to act in ways that essentially try to soothe, distract, or punish emotions that you're having. And if you can, if you can, make a different decision. At the very least, 72 minutes, try to put off your negative behavior, your self-destructive behavior for 72 minutes if you can. I mean, if you can put it off for 72 hours, you're just going to clear these transits. It's going to be smooth sailing, Uh, very difficult sailing. I shouldn't have said smooth sailing, but if you can wait 72 hours, that's ideal. But if you can't, strive for 72 minutes. Tweak it so that it works for you. Now, this full moon may bring things to a head. And while it is unlikely to feel awesome if that happens, it is happening for a reason. 
so that you can come to greater balance. But that balance can only come after you've come to greater awareness, right? So do your best. Keep on showing up. That's the move. That's the move. One more thing I'll tell you about this is that the Venus-Pluto conjunction is exact on the 13th. So it's a transit in orb on the 11th, and it's exact on the 13th. So this transit, it brings up obsessive compulsive feelings. It just does. It makes us obsess on our crush. So remember this. Remember this, my friends. Whether or not they like you, what they do or don't think or feel about you is actually not yours to manage. What's yours to manage is are you in integrity in the way you are behaving when you're alone about them in their presence? Are you acting in ways that reflect the person you want to be? Are you being true to yourself? Are you making healthy choices? Is this person in your life actually helping you to be a healthier and more whole version of yourself? Or are you walking into walls for a person? These are really important questions to be asking yourself instead of what do they think? What do they feel? What's going to happen? The question, what's going to happen, is one that may plague us a little bit this week because we are dealing with a lot of Neptune, which is like the unknown, and Pluto, which is really driving. But it is actually kind of a fool's errand to try to figure that out. Yeah, I know. I'm an astrologer. I read tarot. (laughs) And so you'd think I'd be obsessed with answering that question. And in the early days of my practice, I was. But I've come to learn that it actually doesn't matter. What matters is if you are right with your soul and you are right with yourself step by step, then regardless of what happens, it's exactly what's meant to happen. It takes time and practice. And when I say time, I mean years, years of practicing this to really believe it. (laughs) But it's worth it. Girl, it's worth it. Let me tell you, it is worth it. It helps you to age in integrity with yourself, which just makes aging a lot easier. So my sweet and beloved people, that's it. That's all. That's a whole damn episode. And I hope you enjoyed it. For me, as I am looking at the astrology through December and early 2020, I want to say this is the time for getting right with yourself. This is the time for being willing to look at how you're acting and making sure those actions reflect what you actually intend to be doing. It's not a small task. It really isn't. And it's not something that you can like set and forget. It means being present, and it means being present through the discomfort of growing and learning and unlearning and then learning some more. That's the damn move. If you haven't already, please do subscribe to the podcast, like it, star it, review it, whatevs on whatever platform you're listening to it on. As always, send me questions for the podcast. I love answering your questions, and you can send them to me at ghostofapodcast.com. Keep on coming back and keep on showing up for yourself and others with kindness and strength. Every year they say the end is near, but we're still here. Yeah, we're still here.